Welcome to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast, where we support your quest for a happier, healthier, planet-friendly life that supports you, your family, and community. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a nonprofit resource supporting eco-conscious choices at the local level. GoGreenLocally.org is a free-to-share information online resource hub and vibrant interactive community offering content to combat apathy and inaction by empowering people everywhere to take the small steps necessary to live sustainably, clean and repair the environment, and protect our natural resources. Visit your local hub today to subscribe for a monthly emailed list of local events that have been shared in the event directory. Support and collaborate with your community for a cleaner, greener world. Happy New Year, Northern Nevada. We want to thank you for your support and let you know that this year of 2021, our episodes moving forward will be shorter, allowing us to share one or more interviews on a certain topic or with just one of our local nonprofits, green businesses, or event hosts. This will make it easier to go back and find previous episode content. We're also opening up the show for community contributions. So if you'd like to host one or more episodes, then please contact us at info at gogreenlocally.org. So today I'm speaking with Nathan Rosenblum with Loping Coyote, Rosewater Ranch, and Mountain Mushrooms. He's an ecological garden designer, a farmer, and a nursery business owner. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you, Jenny. Good to be here. So give us a quick window into what inspired you to do all of the things that you're doing now. That was a path that took me a while to get to. After kind of being disconnected from nature and the land and certainly from growing food, I eventually landed on a farm in New York State just trying to figure out, just just kind of testing different waters in life, I guess. When I was 23, I guess I was. And I re-fell in love with all of that at once, the, the wild, the wilderness, and the farming. And um, then stuck with farming, but soon came to feel like farming lacked some, lacked some things. And I wanted to pursue kind of some alternative growing of foods that were more um, in line with and in love with the wild and trying to figure out how to mesh those two often combative worlds. Yeah, that's that's the short the short version. <laughs> so I've heard the term permaculture used. Are would you call yourself a permaculture designer? I honestly don't use that word much myself because it begs a ton of questions that we could just speak directly to without the word. Um, however, in certain circles, that word is really familiar and it certainly applies. And that's and that is uh, I did learn a lot through what permaculture teaches and professes that I apply to my life. And so, yeah, in certain circles, I, I, I certainly will take that on. I don't necessarily go out using it with people who don't who aren't familiar with the word. There's a lot of other ways to describe ecological design, forest gardening, orchard work, um, and then get into the details of how that might be different than some conventional forms of that. And then it also, of course, carries over to the other non-plant aspects of life, which has been really useful to me in thinking about how I design systems, because I'm really into animal systems personally, and how I uh, grow food and tend to the lands where I live. 
And then permaculture applies to that just as much as, as well as all the social interactions of my life. So I use a lot of permaculture and, and certainly am happy to, to, you know, be in that, that world. So was Loping Coyote one of your first large hands-on design projects in Reno? It was definitely my first project in Reno. It was the, the reason that I came back to Reno. I had been jumping around on various farms, trying to learn different ways, different alternative ways to the conventional big farm that we know, big ag. And then I had that chance to come home and work in my parents' backyard on an acre with with a long-term stability on the site. And so I jumped on it and came home to connect with family and to have a big uh, an acre sized forest garden project that I knew I could tend for a long time. And uh, I was eager to get back to this climate too. I love it here. So yeah, and that's so I, I, I've got to apply a lot of permaculture principles in that approach there. Can you give us maybe a quick window into like some of the different food things that you're growing like trees and bushes? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of diversity on the site there. We've got over 30 different varieties of grapes alone because that's been a plant that I've been really excited about getting to know better. And then I won't even try to say how many varieties of, of many other fruits, but we have apples, pears, Asian pears, plums, peaches, nectarines, cherries, gooseberries, currants, raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, strawberries, service berry, hazelnut, yellow horn. That's that's kind of like the fruit and nut world. And there's some pine nuts there too. There's hawthorns and mountain ash and a lot more I can think of. And then there's the whole herb understory that, that goes along in the forest gardening matrix. And we grow a lot of different herbs, either for use as food or use in making medicine and or use as just ecological benefits from pollination to soil building. Excellent. So what they had, your parents had before was grass or? Yeah, it was 100% lawn. It was just a giant lawn, which was a lot of fun as a kid, but then never got used once the kids left their house. And it was a lot of lawn and consumed a ton of water. And that was their main reason for wanting to do something different. They just got sick of seeing all that water go to nothing. So how much has their water bill decreased percentage wise? It's about, a, it's, we use about 60% less water now. Wow. And have a whole lot more to show for it. It also includes a lot more work. And that's one reason people also like lawn is for the simplicity of it, especially if you can just outsource it to a mow and blow operation who takes care of it for you. So for my parents, it's worked out great because they've had me uh, taking care of it for them. And, And I pulled a lot of good people in to help with that project over the years too. But um, yeah, that's a lot less water. Nice, nice. And would you say it's really like an overburdening amount of work that somebody, well, maybe not your average city lot would have that kind of space, but maybe if they had what you had, maybe a quarter of what you had, like how many hours are we talking a week or a month, do you think that you're... Yeah, it's a really good question because... That's a real big issue for people. You know, who, a lot of people don't have a lot of time. But to me, forest gardening is very adaptable to the individual or individuals who are caring for that forest garden. And you can make it really management intensive with a lot of detailed work, a very wild kind of forest garden that, that doesn't get as manicured a look 
but still has a lot of different complexity going on. Or you can have it be a very simple design that doesn't have the jungly look, but but also creates less maintenance needs. So it's a hard answer. It's hard to answer precisely how much time you can do it a lot of different ways. I don't have as much time as I would like to take care of that one acre forest garden. So I've, it, and that's about whew, uh, 12 years old now. So over the years, that work changes in a forest garden, which is one thing that's wonderful about it. You don't start from ground zero every year like you do in an annual garden. Um, that work goes from building the garden to maintaining the garden and harvesting from the garden. And for me, I have narrowed down to having one day a week where during the growing season where I can get over there and spend a good chunk of the day, at least half a day to a full day. And I have, sometimes it's just me, sometimes I have one, two or three people um, there to help with that work. And that's the amount of hours we put in and we prioritize what we can get done during that time. And, but it's very adaptable. Just depends on what you're willing to have be the outcome of your forest garden. So um, on that note, you have a nursery um, sale that you have once a year. So, so some of the choices and trees and shrubs and, and plants, would we find that at that, at that sale? Yeah, that's exactly what my plant nursery was created for. It was originally created because I needed a lot of plants to flesh out this project on this one acre. A lot of plants that we, and a lot of them we either couldn't find locally or just wanted to find cheaper than some of the big potted nursery plants and put in, and hopefully with better roots than some of those plants have from being in those pots for so long. So we started finding, Neil Bertrando and myself were working on this together, finding other sources to bring in plants wholesale and big bunches and then we had extras that we would start that we started wanting to sell because we knew other people would be excited to have them too so the plant nursery has grown from that into the same focus wanting to make available to other people who are into forest gardening particularly although some people aren't particularly devoted to a big old forest garden but they still enjoy the plants we offer but particularly we wanted to have make the full suite of forest gardening plants from overstory plants that the big trees down to the ground cover herbs that can all function in a in a you know ecological guild available in one place via people who have had experience growing all of them here and that we know can work nice so um, what is the date of the sale and what is the best way to uh, access the types of things that you have to pick from so we can order ahead? The date is April 17th. It's a Saturday and it's we didn't do it last year. We didn't have the actual sale day. We sold our plants, but it was all online sales because of the pandemic. But we're going to go ahead and have an on-site sale this year on that day april 17th in the parking lot of two soul tea shop um in downtown reno um and we'll just manage for the pandemic everybody's used to that now (laughs) to find the plants and get info about 
what we will have there, you can visit my website, lopingcoyotefarms.com. And I have a nursery tab there where I put out a plant catalog every winter that has, and I try to, I try to make it a little better every year where I'm adding more detail and history and fun facts and stuff about these plants a little bit, at least a little bit better every year so that it's an exciting and informative read a little more so than a standard plant catalog, I guess, was, was the goal there. So you can, you can peruse that there on the website. There's also brand new this year, an online store there on the next tab over on the website where you can go right ahead and order what you just read about on the catalog, assuming that there's still some left in the inventory. And then I pre-bundle those orders up and bring them to people at that plant sale but it just means you cuz things every we sell pretty much everything at that plant sale so things sell out so if you order ahead it'll be all bundled and ready for you and you'll know that it's not going to sell out before you get there great great so for some people that maybe haven't bought a place yet or aren't quite ready they haven't learned enough like do you have um, tours that you give of maybe loping coyote or uh, other sites that you've worked on that maybe somebody could you know see what you're what you've done and what can be done yeah I do have for years really enjoyed offering tours of the loping coyote farms site during the growing season and I don't have any scheduled yet for this year. It's usually, I don't usually get to that until sometime in the spring, though I do put that out via the newsletter, which you can sign up for on my website. And um, I will post it on the website also, the information for that when I decide on some tour times. We also have participated in the Permaculture Northern Nevada um, Edible Petal Tour where people are, where we're open for that day for people to come through and see that site. I have not been doing tours of my new site, bigger scale, um, Broadacre site, Rosewater Ranch, Uh, but someday that will happen. Right now we've been just consumed with the building of the systems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. How how much space do you have in the new one? That's 135 acres. Oh my, yeah. (laughs) That's a whole different thing. And I'm not nearly cultivating all of it. And that was one of the goals was to have a place where we cultivate only a small portion and leave a lot of the wild and, and, and interact, learn how to interact with that without, you know, cursing the bobcats who eat the chickens. Uh, well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your sharing that with us and um, hope to have you come back on the show and maybe share some of the other projects that you're doing. Yeah, I, w- I would love that. I'm just now revamping uh, Mountain Mushrooms, which has been dormant for a little while. And we're rebuilding the systems right now. I'm going to get that all going this year. So that should be back up and running and accessible to people soon. And just to recap, that was Nathan Rosenblum with Loping Coyote, Rosewater Ranch, and Mountain Mushrooms. And his website is www.lopingcoyotefarms.com, as well as the nursery event. He also offers site consultations and assessments, on-site and remote project evaluations from native landscaping to backyard farms to broad acre land management, as well as landscape and garden installations, farm and garden educational tours, and ecological garden education and speaking engagements. 
And now a short update on local green nonprofits in the area. Reno Food Systems at the Park Farm will be continuing and expanding their fruit and spice nursery program this year. They plan on offering a wide array of veggie seedlings and will be increasing their perennial offerings to include berries, fruit trees, and more. Veggie seedlings will be available as soon as they're ready, likely starting in late March and continuing through June. They're also starting a new CSA gift card program. Unlike many traditional CSAs, you get to pick what you want from their available selection. Next, from Truckee Meadows Park Foundation. Parks Project is looking for volunteers for its free comprehensive online resource for the community that provides information on amenities, biodiversity, and history for every park in Truckee Meadows. Secondly, they have Truckee Meadows Trail Challenge and Winter Hike Series, where there are two separate guided hike series they are hosting in the coming months. All of this can be found on tmparksfoundation.org. Next is Urban Roots. It's a Reno-based nonprofit that's changing the way that kids eat and learn through camps, homeschool programs, and classrooms. Yes, the pandemic has restricted their programs as well. However, right now they're offering seasonally appropriate garden boxes to the Reno Sparks area community for both children and adults. These kits include mini hoop houses, gardening gloves, soil seeds, garden markers, spray bottle for watering, and instructions for growing. Next is Local Food Systems Network, which I'm a part of as well. They are sponsoring two local food projects. One is Riverside Farmer's Market, a year-round market with organic and sustainable produce and products, and a new mobile food market. Reno Mobile Market is a new local food distribution program in Reno. They're functioning as an extension to the Farmer's Market to connect the community to local and regional organic products and goods from local farms and makers. They are offering CSA-style market boxes for sale. Check them out at renofarmersmarket.com. Tune in for our next episode where we meet Tessa Miller with The Nest, a vintage furniture upcycling decor, zero waste, and clothing shop in Reno. Please check out gogreenlocally.org and support and collaborate for Local Green. To learn more and share about Local Green in Northern Nevada, please visit gogreenlocally.org and look up the Northern Nevada Green Hub for events, projects, groups, nonprofits, promotions, and more. Thank you for listening to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast. Please take good care of you and yours. Stay well and help us all make this a kinder, healthier, and greener community for all. 